0: thank you for listening to recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like subscribe and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the ACAST app or at our Patreon, which is just Patreon forward slash recyclables.com until next time. Thank you.
1: That's pretty awesome. Well, I started recording now okay. uh, and it says, but are you a cop? Uh, that's what it's called.
0: It's, why are you? Why it's funny, but why?
1: Why not is the better question. I right, bear <laughs> Um I just said I mainly thought of that because I when I said I uh, accused you of being a cop because you had so many questions.
0: Oh, okay, I get it. Yes, yes.
1: I think that works, um, but I, like
0: I, I do think the police would have a dental plan that would be better than no teeth, though. I do.
1: I don't think you're wrong about that.
0: Let's, uh, I should, I should, who should, let's, let's, this is, this is uh, an intro.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, this is the best intro. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what's your name, kind stranger?
0: Yeah, this is, I guess, a a news dump recyclable crossover. Oh, yeah, Uh,
1: we're, we're cutting out the middleman on this one. And the middleman is Patrick somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Gross.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's introduce ourselves. Let's pretend are we doing let's pretend like we're doing a show instead of just a phone call.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here with Patrick Thomas Perkins.
0: I'm here with uh Rochelle Crotier. I think I guess, you're
1: I think your missing teeth also make that sound worse too. Like you're you have just a butchering name? my name. Lynn.
0: Oh, see, I should have been doing that. Rochelle Lynn God, yeah. It's like French Canadian is what I'm going for. I think.
1: And I mean, I think technically we were some side of my family was French by Canada, French Canada way. Uh, but some of it was like from France, too. I think. I don't know. I don't oh, really nice. want to look into my ancestry because I don't want to know how many of those people were horrible.
0: Well, that's the beauty of it is is. I know my ancestry had to have been horrible because one side, we don't know anything before my great-grandfather. <laughs> and the other side, we know my grandpa was a sheriff in the 50s in Northern California. So that was just oh, awful. yeah. Whatever, whatever yeah. he was into was not great, I'm sure.
1: Actually, and I mean, that brings... So we're doing the, this episode. We're actually not talking about anything other than ourselves today. Ugh. Because we figured if you guys would be interested in knowing a little more about us we could do that today
0: yeah we figured it's been about three and a half to four months and we usually jump straight into whatever we're talking about and, and see if you're be- still
1: listening i'm gonna say why no i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> no no i appreciate it <laughs> i do too I, we, we try to make a conscious effort to not uh, pepper these too much with ourselves like, like 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 i don't spend 25 minutes and give you a monologue about who i am most episodes and and neither does rochelle and i was like um i'm kind of getting over covid and i'm researching like three different episodes at once let's do let's talk about each other let's introduce ourselves yeah
1: and let's address that elephant in the room patrick had covid Ugh. i was worried the whole time i was like i my little pat, my little pat, it's got the COVID.
0: You would have done, you should have done the podcast without me, but like, <laughs> like, just like I was there anyhow. Like just, <laughs> it's just a stuffed animal that like you've removed the teeth drawing of from like you. Oh my God. You penciled it in black so it's toothless. You're oh like.
1: My <laughs> <laughs> um, most of my stuffed animals don't have visible teeth, so we could just pretend. You could be cat bug, pat bug.
0: Am I technically a Muppet? Uh,
1: more or less, yes.
0: I mean, it's been a while since I've any, had anybody's hand up. Anyway, anyway. Hey, no.
1: But yeah, and I mean, our first question, or at least the first question that Patrick wrote, which I think is actually probably a good one to start with, is, what's your life story, Pat? Like, what's the story you want people to know?
0: I like how I told you I wanted these these questions could work for both of us. And then I didn't think of a succinct answer.
1: Ooh, oh, um, I wouldn't. I'm not going to have a succinct answer.
0: Uh, no, I was uh, the PTP life story on fast forward. I was born on a cold, snowy December night in December of 1984. Uh, no, I was born with a tumor. They took out the tumor. Uh, when they took out the tumor, they also took out three of my vertebrae. So I wasn't supposed to be able to walk. But uh, you so, did. But I did. And then my parents uh, didn't put me on disability, didn't apply for any of that because they wanted to teach me the value of hard work and self-determination. <sighs> so they got addicted to meth.
1: Well, do you uh, also think they were doing enough sketchy shit at that time that they didn't really want the government looking any closer into their lives?
0: I mean, that sounds like, that, that does sound like my dad. Like that, more. that's
1: my thought yeah. in that too, is it wasn't just because like, I guarantee you they would have liked having that extra money coming in.
0: Yeah, I think it was a little bit of that. And I think it was like, I'm not good at deadlines. And I think I've inherited that from both of them. (laughs) But it's also like, it's also like my dad was pretty right wing. Like, you'll take care of yourself. Your family will take care of you kind of thing. And Uh... my mom kind of believed in family too. But they were also both sort of, I wouldn't say the black sheep of their family. But they were the ones who, my dad was definitely kind of the black sheep. And my mom was just kind of the one that like found a way to leave home mm. so like it's it's hard to I, I'm in this weird position constantly where I'm like uh, they were put in the positions that they were in I think more than they chose the lives that they chose yeah that's but fair at the, but at the same time I'm like well because you guys did make a few really 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 bad choices it impacted me awfully so, so my parents wait did do, your
1: mom put the tumor there I mean technically I'm no kidding. <laughs>
0: no, I, I blame God on that one. As I always do. <laughs> no, but the, uh, eventually they, they broke up. My mom sobered up, but we moved in with uh, uh, my grandmother, who was a hoarder. I ran away, air quotes, when I was 18. I left like a week after winter break because I was like, oh, they can't make me come home if i leave now like i don't have to
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't have
0: to be here anymore if i don't want to be here and then um i met a girl knocked her up tried to have a family did that a couple of times uh, not not knocked up but like met somebody married them twice only had one kid now i do stand up and this stuff i don't know i i <laughs>
1: really grazing over the later years
0: well because like the later years are all well documented i've had like 25 jobs while i do stand-up comedy and i go through jobs a lot because of the three missing vertebrae thing like eventually it catches up with me or or my own attitude where i'm like i I would like to find a better job like i I used to one of my early jobs was i worked in a porn store and i quit that pretty early because i was like oh i don't want to be here anymore to get a job taking care of mentally handicapped people and then i was like oh i should live here i shouldn't be <laughs> yeah working here i'm a victim of late stage capitalism and i know it
1: <laughs> is there anything else you'd want people to know
0: um ooh, i don't know i guess i guess i've kind of i've i'm in this weird position where i've always had these kind of lefty opinions you know like mm-hmm. like but I didn't have the lexicon for them, so I didn't understand what communism really was. I just knew it was that thing Russia did that was bad.
1: You just and thought was, of like muscly men in red wrestling singlets,
0: yeah, okay. and like and like everybody had to work. No okay, matter, maybe what. that's that what was... I
1: see. Sorry,
0: <laughs> that's your communist fantasy.
1: That's a little bit and a lot bit,
0: but it's only been in maybe the last, I'd say five to seven years that I've really been kind of air quotes radicalized like that I've come across the lexicon in the language for what I want and it w- it's weird because like I, I think I only read some of Marx maybe a year and a half ago only because like he, he just seemed annoying and I was right
1: like, mm. yeah
0: <laughs> old dead German dudes are usually just obnoxious in a bunch of ways
1: so many old dead people you know all of them just the worst but then there's a lot of young people are the worst people are the worst <laughs> yeah
0: i say that knowing full well i will be an old dead dude someday that people yeah. will be like oh he he was pretty close to having it right but boy was he wrong about
1: yeah right
0: whatever i'm wrong about like it's just it's just what's going to happen
1: that sounds uh, fair
0: what about you Rochelle i only know i know your life in bits and pieces i i feel like i could guess but like What's the Rochelle story?
1: So my parents met uh in 1970 uh in Great Falls, Montana. They Aren't met... they are... Yeah, they're both in their 70s. um But they got they met at at the Stein House, which is a Howard's Pizza location in downtown Great Falls, Montana. And like we all love that pizza, so I just wanted to add that because I want to eat their pizza. um So they met there. They got married six months later. trying to get that
0: steinhaus endorsement
1: yeah oh steinhaus so good well and so that place will that pizza place and the bars that are connected to each of the locations will um sponsor baseball teams so sometimes you'd play against like steinhaus or something it was pretty great there wasn't the wine mill though because you didn't want wine in the name of a little league softball team's name
0: did they did they ever have like steinhaus v steinhaus and it was like the 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 bar half versus the pizza half or something
1: i I think they would you wouldn't sponsor teams on the same uh, like age bracket and gender like maybe you'd have a boys Steinhouse team and a girl Steinhouse team kind of thing or like do and like have have it for each age bracket. But they wouldn't play each other. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. OK. They were boring. Is what you're Listen, saying. what uh, I'm saying
1: is there were enough white people in Montana to play softball and baseball. We had teams. OK, we had teams. Uh, we got very off track. But so they had seven kids. Um, my oldest brother was born in 1972. And then I was born in uh, 1989. So my mom was 44 at that time and my dad was 42.
0: And you're you're not the
1: baby. I was baby. 40, just 40. No, I'm the baby. I'm the baby. You, you the baby. you are There's grandkids after me, but I'm the youngest of the first generation. Okay. Um, We grew up Catholic. I would say lower middle class. Like, I wouldn't say we were poor by any means, but we definitely weren't rolling in the dough. And like, most of the time, my dad was the only breadwinner because my mom was staying home raising us. Well, and also having her other kids raise us, but that's pretty common in big families. I'm not going to get into the ethics of it at this point. Um,
0: I mean, when you have, when you have nine kids, like, you just, it's only
1: seven. Whatever.
0: Look, when you have seven kids, it's nine kids, and when you have nine kids, it's a thousand. Yeah, but you just make a. I can. I can see it. Like it's just what I feel like. There's a certain amount of logistics there where it's like, nah. You just make the big one watch the little one because, like, the big ones. I don't want the big one to get in trouble, and he's less likely to get in trouble if he's watching the little one. Yeah.
1: I think there was definitely some of that happening, too. But yeah, I mean, I went to Catholic school, K-8, through and then uh, I went to public high school, which was an eye-opener. I was so excited. And I mean, I would say, honestly, my liberalness started in middle school because that was the Bush presidency, the George W. Bush presidency. I think my mom might have voted for him, but I don't know, at least the first time around. But by the time 2004 came around, Both my parents fucking hated the guy, and I hated him too, and I was really angry. And that wasn't necessarily the common viewpoint among my peers. And so at that point, I was considered. I was, I think some of my classmates were like, she's a fucking terrorist. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) yeah, because I don't want us to be in the Iraq war.
0: I, I think oddly enough, growing up poor in Portland, like we were, we were just liberal enough that I could get away with being like, I think this is messed up and nobody would find it weird. Yeah. So, so it's weird, but there's a little part of me that's like, man, I didn't, I'm a little jealous that you got attention for being like that as a kid. Like,
1: It wasn't always good attention, unfortunately, but then I went to college in Missoula racked up, oh, I think I'm at 100K in student loan debt at this point, but I mm. got two degrees, one in history and one in political science, and I mean, that helped me get a lot more of that lexicon you were referring to, because, like, I didn't really know what feminism meant until I got to college. I didn't learn the term cultural appropriation, probably not till like, 2010, 11, maybe mm-hmm. 12, so I was definitely very behind on understanding a lot of nuances of class and race for a very long time. I chisel away at it every once in a while, but I still got a lot of learning to do. Did,
0: did you have that thing I would have where it's just like, I, n- I don't know why this is wrong. It just feels weird. I, I would get that around slurs in particular, where I would just be like, I would use slurs. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I mean, like, as especially as Patrick a teenager or whatever. Patrick is
1: almost as bad as Harriet, let's be honest.
0: Especially, like, teenage Patrick, because he, he didn't understand privilege. And, like, he, I, I was definitely in that camp of people who was like, I don't, I don't get what, what privilege is if I'm living like this, Mm -hmm. not understanding that like, oh, me living like this is actually because of privilege. It's, it's, it's it's a weird system, bro. But, but, but would you have that thing where you're just like, oh, this is awful. Maybe, but everyone else is going in on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, I got frustrated with kids calling things gay. When I was in, I think that, I think it started in middle school, but it definitely solidified when I was in high school because I was just like, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Little did they know I was a little gay. Most of them said I was, but I didn't know anything. So yeah. no one was on the right page. Um, and so that one bothered me. And the R word, I definitely kind of realized I'm not a huge fan of using that word, especially because of how much, how much I was called it by my older siblings. And I didn't like that. And I don't even have market developmental disabilities, so I can't even imagine people who are already struggling with that stuff and also hearing that slur levied against them feel.
0: I, I've told you this before, but I always thought that I was, and nobody had the 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 like courtesy to tell me, <laughs> like that. Just I was I was development like I don't know. I just always thought people were being too nice to me, and that's why I didn't know. And like one year in in middle school, did you guys have outdoor school in uh, Montana?
1: Uh, no, that's not, a, that's only an organ thing. Enjoy your okay. privilege, Patrick.
0: Okay, well, I went to, I went to outdoor school, and there was a developmentally disabled kid named Patrick there. And people would be talking about something Patrick had did, or had done, while I was sitting there. And I just assumed that they were talking about me, and would just feel like, so that, anyway, just giving you more insight into who I was to talk over you. Like, pets. <laughs>
1: I think there's a lot of people who don't use slurs intentionally to hurt people or they don't realize who it's hurting. It's kind of like when people talk about Trump and like, he's probably impotent. I'm like, there might be an impotent person in your life who really doesn't like that being used as an insult and is struggling with that condition themselves. And they're a good person otherwise. So (laughs) yeah, I just I I think there's a lot of things that we just need to realize don't need to be insults.
0: Yeah, I told, I I don't think I've told it on here yet, so it might as well, this the episode for it, but, like, I was definitely that kind of kid where I was like, oh, I'll use this, you're bald, you're fat, you're gay, and, like, wasn't, didn't think of it in context, especially as, like, a preteen, and then my balding uncle kind of, like, sat me down and was like, dude, you're being an asshole, and, like, you're probably one of my favorite of the nieces and nephews, but, like you're being a dick and here's why and how, and here's how your words impact people. And so I always kind of, my it was my great uncle, and I've always kept that kind of, uh, hearing that at an early age definitely impacted me in the way I think about, like, how I use my language. Because it's like, oh yeah, that could be hurting a perfectly, like you just said, a perfectly reasonable Mm -hmm. person's, like somebody I care about feeling.
1: Well, and it's like when people talk about people being fat and using that as an insult, and it's just like, there's nothing wrong with being fat, and uh, we really need to address that fact because it's not going to get better until we realize bodies are different.
0: Yeah, and it's I think just about it's that just a lot. it's just a flesh cage. D- did you have that thing where uh, like a niece or a nephew of yours was the same age as you while you were in school? So
1: no, it was that- never that close in age. My my fiance, oh, uh, he has um, uncles that are like just around his age there might even be some answer uncles that are older than him um okay but for me no Isabel, she was born when i was 10 so it was kind of like having a little sister
0: because i would you'd run into that in school sometimes and it would just make your your head hurt oh you're like, yeah you're like Wait, um, how are you how are you an eight-year-old and an uncle with the
1: <laughs> yeah my um oh
0: your family's catholic
1: my friend she was my first best friend growing up she was one of nine kids and there was an even bigger age gap between the oldest and the youngest. So she had some nieces and nephews who were older than her. Technically, one of her nephews was in our class. He was a step, like it was a step nephew, but they were niece and they were aunt and uncle.
0: I would abuse that power all the time.
1: It I was it was the- interesting because like their aunt was a nun who taught at the school too, and so there was some interesting dynamics there as well, especially when all three of them would be in the same room you could see things like family stuff coming out sometimes but that just happens you know
0: excuse me aunt sister <laughs> yeah right
1: i have aunts that are nuns too but um i think the thing that what? i huh oh you I didn't know I, that
0: I, I did not know that that's uh,
1: i think they're all dead now <laughs> but um, I had several aunts that were nuns and great aunts that were nuns. No, I think it was great aunts. I don't know if I had any actual straight-up aunts that were nuns. But just, a lot of my mom's aunts were nuns.
0: What Does it cost anything to become a nun? Do You,
1: like, you don't have to really pay anything because, like, you're going to be committing to a life of poverty as well. I mean, it's not poverty in the sense of real poverty, but you're not making a lot of money you don't have a lot of nice things you typically live either in the convent or like property the church owns um things like that uh my mom's family a lot of them were ursuline nuns so the ursuline order uh there's still a convent in great falls but there might only be a few nuns left that live there or there might not be any left
0: Hmm? are those the ones that that read from the bible and the works of ursula k gwen or or? who's
1: that (laughs)
0: Or Ursula Gwynn, damn it! I know uh, uh, that one lady. She does sci-fi books. Um, oh. Anyway, okay. No, mind.
1: unfortunately, it's, it's not that. It's probably after Saint Ursula from Forever Ago. Um, actually, my mom's great aunt Bernadette, when she first became a nun, she had to take a new name because that was kind of thing. Is you take a new name, so she was Sister Henrietta, and she decided she did not like that name, so she went back to her given name when they were given the opportunity
0: it's also how many different ways society will let you change your name and yet we can't like do pronouns for our trans right.
1: <laughs> Don't even get me started. Oh well you do know that God is one person and three people at the same time.
0: I've done acid, yes.
1: But so there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three separate gods, but they are also the same. Um, it's it's supposed to not make sense. I guess, like, it's supposed to be so complex that you only have to, you can only believe it because of faith, not because you can really understand it. At it's, least that's what I remember from Catholic school.
0: My my understanding of, like, all of the early Christian schisms is it's, like, a bunch of dudes getting drunk and having arguments about how their town worships God and, like, getting other towns in on the fight. Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, honestly, to be a fly on the wall for a lot of those early Christian interactions and to see what the church actually did look like um, would be very fascinating, the, especially in comparison to the church that I went to and what church was like and how my my faith was.
0: Well, because like there were people who would get into fights over like, all right, so was Jesus a person before he died? Or after, like, like, was Jesus a God before he died or after he died is, like, one of the things, which means there's, like, people who got into knife fights over that. And oh, my just, God. It's just ridiculous. Do you, I... do you know a bunch of saints still? Can you? <laughs>
1: um, I honestly, I pro- don't know them super well. That is a very Catholic thing, though. That's important to note because, like, it's not a part of a lot of the other Christian faiths, like, after the split happened. Um, especially a lot of more modern Christian sects don't really fuck with saints at all. So the church, the school that I went to was Our Lady of Lords. And so on like that, the day of that patron saint, we usually would do stuff in class to learn about Our Lady of Lords. Like there would be movies sometimes we watch and like sometimes we would draw pictures, whatever. So I know mm-hmm. some saints and some saint stories well. And I, but I don't, some of them I probably only have like what the Catholic church taught versus the real history around them.
0: Do you, do you have a do you have a, a patron saint? Do you have do you there's
1: have- n- there's no Saint Rochelle. There is a Saint Rock R O C H. He was a dude. He sounds like a rich. So here's what a lot of saints sound like, based on when I did a little bit of looking into it. It sounded like the rich nobility who couldn't do anything else. They're like, well, I guess I'll like go on a hunger strike, and then they'll maybe make me a saint later. I'm not saying that they probably didn't do good things, but there was probably a lot of just like that. You go to Haiti and build some houses and then come back kind of shit. And then you get a sainthood from that. I well, that well, I is the to, vibe I get sometimes. Does that make sense? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I just meant do you have one that you like though? Was there one where you're like, Oh fuck yeah, that's that's my saint. That's my. No,
1: I learned about Greek and Roman gods before I, that would be, uh, become an option. <laughs>
0: oh, no, who's your who's your I, I think I think my go to uh, Roman god is Athena.
1: Hey, me too. Uh, me too. I actually made a bust of her in art class in middle school.
0: Seems like the least petty. Seems like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a god to deal with, she's gonna be the fairest.
1: Uh, didn't she make the lady with the spider thing? Yeah, but that lady—that was, was pretty like, bitter.
0: But that oh, lady just because like, she was
1: good at her job.
0: Well, no, she was good at the job. Are and you a class like, trader? And I'm better than Athena. I'm not a class trader, but I don't badmouth uh, the gods when they're within ear distance. Like
1: wow, wow, I didn't realize that you were deities before.
0: Deities, <laughs> deities before polytheities. P- yes. P- P- yes,
1: yes. Wow, we wow, wow, wow. At least we know that you have some biases you need to work on. I would say we addressed that question pretty well. You should pick the next one.
0: We've been doing this a few months now. Uh, the news stump was kind of your idea, in that like it was it was spurred off of kind of what you wanted to do. Anyway, what's what's your hope? With the shows specifically, why did you agree to do recyclables with me and what's your hope with new stuff?
1: Um, so why I agreed to do the show, um, you threatened me um, a lot, like, and they were just really weird threats. Like, you were gonna get rid of half of my socks, and I was like, I kind of need those, and you're like. No, I'm going to take every left sock. And I'm like, how are you going to tell what's the left sock? I don't even know which one's the left sock. Well, I was talking
0: big. I mean, we both said I wasn't going to...
1: Yeah. I was just going to
0: grab a handful of socks and leave.
1: (laughs) Oh, don't take... I, I have so many cat socks. Don't take any of the cat socks. No, I mean, I... I was excited to do the project you were doing because, like, I had the stuff to do it and i had been wanting to do my own podcast, but I was having a really hard time getting any sort of motivation. And you really had something you wanted to do that I thought mattered as well. I think talking about unionizing, talking about uh, convenience stores, stuff like that, I thought all of that was interesting and important. Because the more I've worked in the service industry, because like in the last question, you were talking about how you've done tons of different jobs. I've definitely changed jobs a lot and uh, worked in a lot of different things, but it's usually low level customer service or food service industry. It's really frustrating to me how little care and protections are in place for food service workers. It really fucking frustrates me. And it's
0: uh, to add to that, it's also annoying how often all these jobs are the same job. Yep. Like. Working at Plaid was no different in a lot of ways than working at the strip club was no different in a lot of ways than when I worked at Little Caesars or when I worked at the used car lot or when I worked at the porn store. There's a lot of like, I'm not doing much. So you try to just like, you kind of, you, you kind of justify the lack of pay by the like, what you're getting away with.
1: Yeah. It's and like, well, it's, I did just get to sit and look at my phone for two hours. So I guess that's yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it, it sucks because you, I've realized after all these jobs that, like, oh, they are – they have all this in common and they're always the same. But there are plenty of people who are like, oh, I did seven years here and eventually it grew to be enough that I went somewhere else and I did seven years there. That can't be what every job is like because I've had the two. Mm -hmm. And
1: Sorry, I just wanted to add to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I I think I especially thought of, like, that bullshit – I think it was a fucking tweet where someone's like, you don't realize – the guys that work at these Fortune 500 companies, they cry from the stress sometimes. And I'm like, you don't think I didn't cry from stress during a rush at my fucking mac and cheese restaurant job? You don't think that was overwhelming? Why can you literally buy multiple yachts, which I still am not confident on the spelling of that word, but why can you afford all that shit, and I still don't even have health insurance? Like, go fuck yourself with that sometimes-we-cry bullshit.
0: Also, I've met small business owners this is the other reason i've bounced around through a lot of these jobs it's like you'll meet the person in charge and you'll be like oh there's nobody steering the ship i need off (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: i will say i think that in this post-apocalyptic hellscape that we are in there is some greener grass i have worked for small businesses and for people where i have felt like my needs were met and i was respected there might have been some fuck-ups but for the most part pretty fucking good so i do think that there are genuinely good small business owners but it's kind of like the a cab it's like it doesn't really matter as long as there are still so many shitty small business owners yeah right because
0: because like i can i can name one good card shop owner red castle and i still don't know that his workers have health care you know Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. compared to a lot of other card shop owners he's not openly racist or he's not – a lot of card shop owners in particular are just these guys who are like, oh, I can buy low and sell high. And that's never a good person. Yeah, overall. those are buttholes. Unfortunately. Like like any, anyone whose mindset is always going to be like that is going to treat people like that eventually mm-hmm. too. And it's kind of the same way with like coffee shops where it's like – I know of one good coffee shop owner, Happy Rock Coffee in Gladstone. <laughs> like they're pretty dope and it seems like i don't know if she how, how they treat their workers but i know they're not gonna open a uh horse casino thing in i don't remember the whole Ugh. story on.
1: yeah don't talk to me about dutch brothers right now do not talk okay. to me about this right now i'm still upset no well, and I my mean- point
0: is <laughs> the, the system is incentivized to let those kind of people succeed yes and exactly the people that are chill to do their best and maybe they'll break even
1: The structure doesn't incentivize valuing your staff and rewarding them appropriately. Or at least it could if at least enough people acknowledged that. If people realized owning a business means you're putting a good portion of those profits back in it to keep it going. What I was going to say is that my hope for the show, because I figured we'd gotten a little off topic from the question, because I want you to answer this question too. My hope for the show, my hope for recyclables especially, is that we have the opportunity to platform folks in a way that pr- provides a lot of information and a lot of the ability to have that empathy that comes with that information. That is what I really appreciate Appreciate what you bring to the table is I think you have kind of an unchecked empathy <laughs> for a <laughs> lot of people. And, and And I think that's a good thing because like, You don't decide... A lot of times I don't think that you're deciding what people deserve your empathy. I think you don't have the bleeding heart empathy I have. Like, I can just fire hose empathy at certain situations. But I think you have the ability to spread your empathy well and to use it where it's needed most. And I appreciate that. And so that's what I'm hoping for with uh, recyclables is a lot of that happens. And then for News Dump, I just hope that you and I can... Give the opportunity to people to like enjoy listening to us talk about things that are very horrendous most of the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's the same thing I have for news dump. I think it's to to show that the news is accessible, but it's wider than you think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, I in a, in a fun, even though like it sometimes I, I haven't been joking when I've said it's made me cry. It's been a fun exercise to see how deep evil goes or the lengths that they'll go. <laughs> Yeah. I think the closer we are to getting, like, you know, air quotes, revolutionary things done, i.e. like, you know, a universal healthcare stuff. Like, stuff like that that's actually radical and people don't realize how amazing that would be and how much that would change their life. I'm fumbling through my own thing here. Sorry. Um,
1: <laughs> don't but, worry about it. I, I appreciate I f- that, like, you have been willing to subject yourself to some pretty traumatic content. I... I definitely tend to look at the lefter side of things and the more mainstream. You are the one who's conf- who's con- been able to put yourself through the Fox News where I just would be punching a hole through a wall all day, every day.
0: Well, because I'm, I'm comfortable yelling at inanimate objects, so that helps. Like, I'm comfortable yelling, what the fuck? <laughs> <No problem>. <laughs> Apropos <laughs> to nothing. Like, that's... I'm fine with...
1: But, um, yeah, I, I think it is important to point out that all broadcast like cable news networks their job is not to inform they are all entertainment networks and that's a huge thing to note that like in america the most the most news like the things that we pay attention to most news wise are not ones that are even required to be factually accurate
0: and i i I can see how you fall for the trap because there was a brief period in like 40s-ish, late 40s-ish to mid-70s-ish, where the news was actually kind of fair and impartial, and it was this thing outside of, of state and capital, uh, but then, you know, it got deregulated, and it got bought out, and so...
1: I I think I, it... Sorry, I just want to say, I think it would be important to point out that there probably was still a huge amount of bias because there was no way to avoid the bias that was inside of our culture. But the deregulation of it allowed for those biases to never be challenged.
0: But it existed. But more importantly, it existed. Or not more importantly, but my point is just it existed for... A brief period, but it existed long enough to set an impression in people yep. that it's going to happen. And because the news isn't going to cover the story of itself changing, it's not going to tell itself to us, right? Yeah. So the who, who news is the news people? Well, nobody.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, and that that's a big part of the reason I wanted to do News Dump as well is to teach, like, to talk about what the goal of pieces are from specific news sources as well. I think sometimes we don't do that as much as others, but, like, looking at the bad sources to see what the goal is of what they're saying, or at least the very biased sources, because bias isn't necessarily bad. If you want to know about, uh, like, nature conservation, you're not going to go to fucking Fox News.
0: Yeah. Like... Sorry, you just made me realize, part of the reason it's so easy for me to digest, like, a Fox News thing is because I just see it as science fiction. I see it as like, what are the alien the evil aliens telling the other evil aliens? Mm -hmm. And that kinda but that's also how I approach all news. So it (laughs) kind of makes it easier. (laughs) And I think that also loops into what's my that's been my goal with Recyclables. Mm -hmm. It's like even though we do a lot of stories about history, there's a lot of things that just I want people to change their thinking about history happens to be kind of the broadest like widest birth of things that I think we need to change our thinking about. Cause when we change our thinking about that, then we change our thinking about the present day as well. Uh, but I also think like the way I want to do an episode at some point on stuff like how therapy has changed over the years, because it starts off as this kind of elitist exercise. And it's now this thing that like is accessible to everyone, but not necessarily designed for everyone.
1: I would say accessible to everyone is not accurate because it is not accessible to yeah, everyone. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's more accessible, but it's still not accessible to all and the end goal of it, like, or the purpose of it is still, there are still some problems with that.
0: And I guess that's the, the, the big thing that inspires in particular recyclables was this book, the pedagogy of the oppressed, which is about how to teach people how to be unoppressed and and how that's a truly revolutionary act so if you that's kind of the goal with recyclables is to teach people kind of ways i guess to act revolutionary without it needing to get violent Mm because like if the revolutionary is inside of you the whole time then like they can like i'm the kind of person who heard the story of like daniel in the lion's den and how he gets sent to the lion's den because he wouldn't pray to the god and I'm the kind of person that's like, no, I'll just pray to your God and then go home and pray to my God. Like, mm. fuck it, I'll double down on gods. Like, <laughs> do you have a favorite episode we've done yet? Recyclables or news dump? Or do you have?
1: Um, I really enjoyed the episodes we did with Nova, just because I learned a lot that I was not prepared, f- like that I didn't realize. It-, it helped me learn a lot of things I still don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because, like, I don't know a lot about sex works. I don't know a lot about the kink community and having those conversations. And I hope I came to it as open-minded as possible and being ready to learn. I learned even more, but also learned how much more there is to learn. And I, yeah. I really enjoyed that.
0: I think that's a good approach to have to everything. Uh, sex in general, but everything in general as well. Like, yeah. like I always assume I could learn more, even, even if I know... Like, I play... I play a lot of magic. I read a lot of stuff about magic. I still assume there's always there, there's cards even I don't know about. You know what I mean? And I assume yeah. that's that's everywhere. And it was kind of the same way with Nova, where uh, I had the same feeling where I was like, I thought I knew stuff. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know nearly as much as I
1: thought. <laughs> we have no idea what tops and bottoms are.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't even consider that it was like a queer that is a term to gay specific and. a a type of sexuality kink
1: yeah kink specific and sexuality specific like but separately
0: do you have do you have one that uh either we've talked about or we haven't gotten to or that you know we're gonna do i haven't put out star trek yet so you you, you can put that on the list if you want but do you have one uh uh that we've discussed that you're looking forward to or something that you're like oh like can't wait till we do this.
1: I'm really looking forward to doing Steven Universe just because it'll be nice to... Because it, it's a nice show for kind of mourning the loss of a lot of the things that we didn't have growing up for emotional health. But like seeing it, how it could play out and how it could be there for people. Because like, I think I, I think a lot of my emotional issues as a child would have been really helped by watching other kids and like adult type characters dealing with it in the way that they do, and I'm excited to watch that. I'm excited to see how you feel about it because I love it so much, and I do think that there's a lot of it that will resonate with you. So I'm really excited about that too.
0: I uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also I'm looking forward to a bunch of little mini series. I want to do like Costa Convenience. Yeah and I, I i want to do cost of convenience again at some point maybe condense it or or if i get new information or modern information like i'm not i'm not done with that one in particular i guess if that makes sense like until it's until i feel like we've done something for workers i don't feel like i'm done with that as a I'm gonna keep talking about that, I guess, until I'm sore in the throat, and then yeah. keep going.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. My favorite episode of News Dump, even as angry as it mm. made me, was the crypto episode because it was, it was fun to collectively rage about something that frustrates me so much.
0: Yeah, we and and we recorded a bunch of those interstitial commercial thingies.
1: Are you tired of paying actual cash to charge your electric vehicle at a charging station? Why would you use real money when you can use electronic money? Tesla coin! Coming to you soon because Elon Musk is too bored and has way too much money and dime on his hands.
0: That I keep occasionally popping in, so those were pretty fun too. Yes,
1: we should do more of those. I like the idea of What's,
0: uh... What's the uh, the big thing that you would want people to recycle that, like, maybe we'll do an episode about it someday or whatever, but, like, what's what's the big thing you wish people would really change their thinking about? And, and in my case, I'll, I'll give you a second to think in that, like, in my case, it's, I want people to change their thinking about trauma and, and how it impacts us and how traumatizing people traumatizes you and how being traumatized one of the like like I just want people to think of it as an actual force in history and sociology and not just as this like vague kind of spiritual concept but as a real thing.
1: No, I, I think that is a good thing to recycle and to like really genuinely deal with what trauma is and what it isn't. Because I think some things get labeled as trauma that may not necessarily constitute that or it's it's not just the person, like you were saying, it's not just the person who experienced the trauma. It's everyone who watched that happen, everyone who has to try and fix that person after that happened. And I don't mean fix that person, but, like, help that person afterwards. Like, trauma has so many ripple effects.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a component of oppression. I think part of how oppression works is not acknowledging trauma or dealing with it. And that's why it's kind of important to me. Yeah. So what's 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 yours, Rochelle? You, you can be like, everyone should eat more chicken nuggets. That's,
1: right. You can um,
0: have a light one if you want.
1: No, I, I mean, I think recycle what being wrong means. And this is something I struggle with all the time because I hate disappointing people. I hate not getting things right. I hate looking like an idiot. And I, no. and I think those are all things that all of us hate. Like, it's not fun feeling that way. But if you can take that, like, and I'm not talking about, like, being gay because being gay is not wrong. Being whatever identity you are isn't wrong. But, like, being ignorant about something, hurting someone, feeding into systems that are hurting people, like, those are all things we are all doing all the fucking time, whether we know it or not. And so when you do become aware of those things, make it a learning experience instead of trying to make excuses for why it's okay that that happened. Try to educate yourself in a way that uh, not only helps you, but helps everyone around you.
0: It's it's kind of... That's really good, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have a, a way in our society really to be wrong and not have it be punished. I think kind of one of the tricks the anti-life equation plays, be it it patriarchy or white supremacy or capitalism, is that mistakes cost when mistakes should be a learning opportunity. And, like, there are some mistakes you can't come back from if somebody dies or something, right? But most mistakes aren't life or death. Most mistakes are, oh, shit, I hurt your feelings. Well, now I need to sit with the, the, like, our our feelings-level mistakes and then not acknowledging them you escalate that to making like life taking mistakes, I guess. Yeah, I can. I, I strongly agree with
1: you. <laughs> yeah. So that that is something I would want people to recycle. I think the thing I think the thing that a lot of people get right, though, is just that urge to want to help. i wanting to help is never wrong. So that would be the thing I would say, like, what's the thing we all get right? I think, I think most people and most people that I would interact with and choose to surround myself with are people who want to help. Like you see that there's something wrong and you want to see what you can do to facilitate the situation becoming better. But part of understanding that you're wrong is understanding that you should ask people what they need for help or educate yourself on what is the most helpful action in the situation.
0: I, I was gonna say roughly the same thing that like the, the the call to community is usually the thing we get right, and I think it's interesting because being afraid to get things wrong and not having like not being aware of of harm and trauma kind of keep you from doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like. I don't know, I just think that's an interesting thing that, like, the two things that we want people to change the most are kind of the two big things that get in the way of actually creating community and helping other people.
1: Um, I'm going to ask a question that's not on the list. Are you a cop?
0: No.
1: If you were a cop, you'd have to say.
0: Exactly. So,
1: are you a cop?
0: I am not. Okay. I I do... you know what's funny is I do wonder about that a lot, especially.
1: <laughs> like, you worry that you're secretly a cop? I, well,
0: I worry, I worry, here's, here's, here's the level of, of paranoid I am. I'm worried that I'm bugged and anyone who talks with me is now in trouble. Like, that's my level of, so like, I'm not worried that I'm important. I'm worried that they figured out I know people who are important or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Damn, I didn't
1: realize we would get to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, if I I'm I'm always there. I do. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of the product of having like a shitty childhood. I'm always kind of worried everyone else is a cop and I just haven't figured it out. Like you could be a copper shell and I just haven't
1: Patrick, I'm I'm not a cop. Um I am not cool enough to be a cop. <laughs> um I and I also will not wear aviator sunglasses, let's be honest.
0: That's fair. I wanted to be a cop as a kid before I knew they were evil cuz mm. I
1: was
0: I was I was all about 21 Jump Street and like you know, I like I wanted to be the 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 cop who was changing the system.
1: Did and you watch I, the new movie? The one no, with uh what's his butt? Not the most
0: not like 22 Jump Street. I saw the oh, okay. I saw the okay. I saw the 21 Jump Street. I, saw I thought a, it was the, a lot of fun. Fr- yeah, the first one I saw, it was a lot of fun and then they had the cameo from from the old Yep! Like my only, my don't only. Don't
1: spoil it. <laughs> my like only real movie. memory, uh,
0: yeah. My only memory of Twenty One Jump Street as a kid is knowing cool people watched it, so I wanted to watch it. Like,
1: okay, and you and, had a crush on Johnny Depp. It's. Fine. I was gonna
0: say I, no. I was gonna say, and also, I think some of my latent pansexuality was there too, where it's like, you know, I could probably watch Johnny Depp just just act for a while. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I could just you, just act. I don't care. Maybe. Maybe act without your shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the ticket.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, we're both not cops.
0: Uh, do you? Oh, who? Who?
1: Who inspires me? Yeah, who
0: inspires you? Who motivates you to keep to keep doing shit?
1: Well, you are definitely a motivator. Oh, um, I know, gross, right? Because like I don't know, ever since we met. I've always admired your ability to have something productive to say uh, in situations, especially when we used to watch other people do stand up and give them advice. Um, When I had no idea what advice to give to this trash can fire of a performance, I just saw you had legitimate like suggestions that maybe might steer it into a less trash can direction. So you inspire me for that reason. So
0: the, the, the trick to I'm just condescending to everybody. But I can frame it really nicely.
1: (laughs) You're such an asshole. Um, And then I would say outside of you and creating, avoiding a circle jerk. Because that's disgusting. I would say the people that inspire me tend to just be the folks who... Well, things that inspire me too. I I think doing the art that I've been doing has been really good at keeping me going. Because I'm finding things that... It's not a struggle to do the art process and I enjoy the outcome and other people are liking what I make. And that is really nice. So that has been a motivating and inspiring thing of the last year or so. And like every time I add like new techniques or ideas into what I do, it can sometimes be stressful, but it's really fun to have that opportunity to see what else I'm capable of. Because for most of my life, I've been very good at telling myself what I can't do and I'm trying really hard to figure out what I can do instead.
0: That's I like that I, uh, I like that a lot. I would say I'm also motivated by by you and and also Dahlia and my kid uh, and and our audience. Yeah. And that I'm motivated by by you because I appreciate because you you've mentioned before that you see this kind of coolness in me and I'm like well I can't <laughs> I can't live that down. I gotta I gotta live,
1: <laughs> up, to, right? I gotta live uh, up to Rochelle's yeah. lie.
0: And then and then I I also. <laughs> Uh, the reason I keep always asking Dahlia to be on is because she's she's supported like in just dumb little ways uh, since in uh, since I've known her she's always been like no I can see what PTP's doing and I really appreciate that and it's it's also in that same vein inspired me and I think my kid is also kind of an obvious inspiration N- not just like oh I want to be what he I want to be a good you know what i mean like i want to be what he needs but he'll also be like my kid is sweeter than me and he's always the first one to be like oh we should help this person and Aww. like like it's it always it's like oh man i gotta i have to live up to that standard right Gross. so yeah and and but more than anything else and this is as sappy as it's as, as saccharine as it sounds since we've started doing this people have reached out in some capacity like i'll be at a mic and I've had a comic come up and say, hey, I listened to an episode you did recently. And like, I didn't think, I didn't think about jobs the way you described them. So that's actually.
1: Damn. Yeah, a comic listened to another comics podcast?
0: I know. I don't, I don't even listen. Well, I mean, I edit ours, so I listen to ours like that. Yeah. But I don't.
1: I, <laughs> I listen. I, would, I actually really enjoy what Chris and Charlie do. I think they have really good conversations.
0: Yeah, for um, sure. I really.
1: Everything and nothing, folks. It's on the Shady Pines Network. Patrick's been on it twice. I was just on it recently, and it was such a fun time.
0: I uh, I also recommend Smoke and Mirrors by. Um, as long as we're shouting out local people,
1: Kareem Carlos Wyndham, right?
0: Yes, yes, Kareem Carlos.
1: They are awesome.
0: Yeah, very funny person. Very
1: snappiest dresser. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. They always look amazing.
0: Yeah, they, 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 so those are local people I recommend. Sorry, what was, what were we on? Stuff oh, like yeah. Ads, yeah. Yeah, yes, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, things that motivate and the, us. the audience does too, in particular, not just because of, like, people reaching out in person. Also, people have said, hey, I've wanted to hear you do something for a while. And, like, part of the problem with stand-up is it's kind of cost prohibitive.
1: It's cost prohibitive. It's time prohibitive. It's mental health prohibitive. <laughs>
0: But it's also cost prohibitive to make anything, like to get a video, you Mm -hmm. need a camera that's going to record it worthwhile, and you're going to need, you know, to remember to put it up, and you're going to need to be popular enough for the algorithm to want to share it.
1: Well, and and I think an important thing to note is that you don't need to get booked to start your own podcast. There is a DIY element that is not available in stand-up in the way that people want to say it is.
0: So knowing that there are people out there who are into it has made me want to continue to do it more than anything else. Because, like, when we started with cost of convenience, I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, I guess I'll write an article. I don't know how to write articles very well, but I'll try to compose a thing. Three months in, I couldn't really get more. I, I wasn't sure where to go, but every time I told people about it, they'd be like, oh, man, you should, like, do a podcast about that. And I was like, well, it seems stupid to just do a podcast about just convenience stores, especially when... As I'm telling you about the convenience store, I keep going off about this Roman emperor I really like. Or I keep telling you about this tangential thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's just that's that's uh, uh, that's one of the things that motivates me.
1: This is a Pat-specific <laughs> question. Uh, what would be the funniest thing to substitute your missing vertebrae with?
0: Oh, man. I think, well, I mean, I think the funniest thing would be vertebrae, but the wrong size. <laughs> I don't know if too big or too, I feel like too little is funnier because yeah. it still hurt, but it won't do anything.
1: I, I like the idea of like, oh, we actually had your vertebrae this whole time perfectly preserved.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm funny.
0: I think, I think the next funniest thing would be money because <sighs> then, then I could just always be, there's always money in the small of my back son. always
1: <laughs> 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 in like the banana stand. <laughs> That's a better use of that. And then I thought if you
0: if you you had to go missing a body part, if if you woke up tomorrow and they're like, well, you have a tumor and we're going to remove it. Where where would you want it to be then? That's my question for you. you you're you're you you have to become a pat. So it has to it has to.
1: I would say like if I at least have one eye still or like one ear still, you know, I'd be I, I think I'd be okay with losing one of them. Like eye patches are cool. Oh yeah. Um, I could like make an ear on the other side, I suppose. That's a that's a tough question because like I feel like there's really lazy ways to go. Be like, oh, one finger, that'll be fine. But what? I mean,
0: it wouldn't be because like Scotty, the guy who played Scotty in uh, Star Trek, is missing one of his fingers. I mean, he's dead now. Uh, but oh, good. But- <laughs> He's so he's missing a lot of his fingers, but he's as an actor, he was missing one, and he would have to do all kinds of stuff to hide it because people would get oh, crap yeah. about it, or they they were like, "Well, y- your character's not missing a finger, so you don't get a we're not going to hire you." Well, right? here's
1: something. One of my um, cousins, she there was something about her hand that wasn't right when she was born, so they actually had to like kind of cut open her hand and fix stuff. So she's got her hand's a little bit different shaped on that side, and there's a pretty gnarly looking scar on it. And her response to whenever people, like, ask her about what happened, she just makes up a new story every time. So, like, I would say, yeah, it's going to suck that I'm missing that finger, but I could make up every story in the book as to why it's gone.
0: I should have tried that. I had a joke yeah, about Pat, that. Yeah, Pat, come on. Well, I, I should have tried it with my kid, except, like, just any time he was doing something I didn't like, be like, that's how I lost a vertebrae. Like, <laughs> don't, Dad, you don't... only
1: had three. There can only be three different stories.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would I would have to save it for really good ones. Like I'd probably use it on like jumping on the bed the first time, <laughs> and then like you know w- waking my dad up too early. <laughs>
1: that's great. No, that's great. I think that works.
0: Unless the third one, gambling.
1: <laughs> uh, here's a here's a shop talk one. If you could tour with any comedian, dead or alive, who would it be?
0: Ooh, damn. Um, Artemis Ward. No. <laughs>
1: I don't, I don't. Oh, was that the yeah, blackface yeah, guy?
0: Yeah, that was the guy who ripped them off. Yeah, no, I think. Ooh, that's a good one. I think. Well, here's the problem: is like in the end, I think a lot of comics were assholes, so it's like, I guess, I, I guess Richard Pryor would be the least no, because he would be like high on coke and trying to fuck everyone around me, and like Carlin's out because he would be high on coke and obnoxious. And, like, Hicks is out because he would be high on coke and trying to fuck teenagers. Like, Joan Rivers, I guess? Jo- oh, Joan-, Joan Rivers sounds good.
1: That sounds awful to me. <laughs> She'd be telling me how ugly I was the whole time.
0: She'd try to fuck me, so I think I'd be fine with it. I think... Ah,
1: that's fair. I'm trying to... Th- yeah, I was trying to think who I would I guess, say. I guess...
0: I, okay, I guess real answer Stanhope. Yeah. I think I could get along... I think I'd be like, oh, man, you've had enough... To drink like I, I feel like I would feel condescended to a lot, but would be treated fairly. So probably Stanhope, I think. Now that I think about it. Or Tom Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes. There there we go. Tom Which Rhodes. Was is the, Tom Rose? He is the nicest man alive and before we had before when I first started Stand Up I had a podcast where I just went around and interviewed people. And he was one of the first people I got to do it. I was like, hey, I know you're in town. If I offered to smoke a joint with you, would you be on my podcast to let me interview you? And he was like, sure. And he gave me tickets to his show and everything. It was pretty.
1: Listen, he sounds like a nice enough guy. But what is that chin facial hair that he sometimes chooses to have?
0: Oh, I haven't seen a picture of him in a while. He's, He's definitely an old 90s road comic. He's got this joke that's like... I, I love it so much it's oh my parents my parents never physically abused me because they knew psychological abuse would last so much longer
1: oh my god he
0: has he had this crazy career where he was like a, a club act for a while when like just everybody was making money at the clubs and he gets hired on a tv pilot if I remember right and it just every it's like that that nightmare that you hear about where like the producers want something and the directors want something and the writers want something and like none of it's really what this guy wants and eventually the show tanks and everyone blames him and he's like screw it and Mm. goes goes to amsterdam and like gets a talk show there and like does that and i think he ends up marrying like a model and shit but he's just like the nicest guy i've ever met like he bought lunch for me and stuff like i don't know it was
1: I want to know his his dark side now, i it's because you've always talked about how you never want to meet your heroes, yeah,
0: oh no, I'm sure I mean he's he's definitely got some so, some of his old jokes are definitely you know problematic transphobic, gayphobic, and like I'm sure I'm sure he's he's a, a different guy when you get him drunk and alone for sure but, oh yeah like, of the people that I've met where I've been like. You know, you know that scene in a Futurama where Bender's like, every time I said all humans, kill all humans, I'd say, except fry under my breath.
1: Mm. <laughs> I'm like,
0: never meet your heroes, except Tom Rhodes.
1: <laughs> okay, so you wrote this question down, but I want to address the parameters of said question. It's uh, you're hosting a fancy dinner and can have whatever you want. What's on the menu? Am I cooking this?
0: No, no, you're okay. you're just, you're just you, you just you and a dozen friends. You get you get a table in a mansion. It's like a scene in a movie. And they're just like, hey, we're going to bring out we're going to bring out the Rochelle fancy meal. We're going to have a fancy dinner because Rochelle won fancy dinner tonight. What what do you what do you have people make? I mean, and, and, and replicators are involved. So you don't even have human labor.
1: OK, good. Yeah, because I was like, I don't want to look at this help as they're serving me. That's all.
0: I'd prefer my (laughs) servants not to be seen. Thank you.
1: Um, No, mainly it's i just feel guilty. Um, (coughs) uh, Let me think. Because, like, if it was what I was cooking, I'd just make my peasant pasta, which is a tomato basil cream sauce with Italian sausage and snow peas. Uh, Mm. It's a Rachel Ray recipe. Don't worry about it. Um, But if I was going to have, like, they were going to make, I don't know. I'd want everybody to have the food they want, you know? So, like, am I allowed that? And then I, do you want to know what meal I want? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I really love, like, fettuccine Alfredo. So, like, a Parmigiani cream sauce with noodles. Um, and honestly, I like, like, some oven-roasted broccoli on that and some chicken and some mushrooms. That sounds really good.
0: Ooh, no, that does. I right? mean, I'll be honest. I was stoned when I wrote this and <laughs> turned aside. what to make for lunch myself so like i'm surprised that question jumped out at you when when what's your favorite drug is right there
1: well that one's an easy one i feel like i think yours your answer is gonna be easy
0: what no i think my i honestly can't decide my favorite drug because i love them all that's true i i love okay no correction i think i've tried meth and i did not like that i know i've tried coke and i'm not a fan The one time I tried Molly, I put a machete to my best friend's throat, but I thought it was funny. So I don't know if I like Molly or not. (laughs) So opiates. Oh, my God. Dilaudid. Oh, my God.
1: What is Dilaudid?
0: Very, very concentrated painkiller. It's all the painkiller at once. It's it makes me feel like I have four extra vertebrae. Oh, my my
1: gosh. So can we just punch a pack a bunch of Dilaudid in there?
0: Oh, that would be sweet. That would kill me. I think that's the that's the one that's like right below fentanyl as far as... Oh, really? As, if I remember right. I mean, I'd, I'd do some fentanyl. Oh, that'd be so... Because like, the problem the, the, the problem when you have chronic pain and you do painkillers is you don't... It, A, it takes more to get high because what you feel first is just better. Yeah. Like, there'll be this thing where I've, I think I've done it in front of you... Where I've taken like a half of Vicodin or whatever and I've started crying just because my body's finally like kind of comfortable that like the pain is just tear welling as opposed to overwhelming.
1: Oh my god.
0: (laughs) So yeah. So drugs and drugs and here's the thing people don't think about drugs influence disabilities. Like you're you're you got a cognitive disability. I'll bet you you enjoy some acid because like oh get out of my head for a minute. Like
1: Yeah. I would say for me, um, probably growing up, I did like drinking a good amount, and I thought it was a lot of fun, um, but I also realized I really fucking hated hangovers, and I also really didn't like what would happen if I was in a bad mood and I was drunk. Uh, (laughs) Or sad when I was drunk. Um, Or happy for the wrong reasons when I'm drunk. I don't know. Just alcohol has this really bad habit of making everything amplified and it's not it's most it's not always in a good way sometimes it is but definitely not always
0: yeah we're we're taught that alcohol will change your mood and what it does is make whatever you're feeling more aggressive yeah yeah
1: yeah or like it it allows you to feel it but not in any sort of constructive way like a drunken sob you don't feel better the next day like you still feel all that sad but like if I cry on mushrooms, I usually feel better.
0: Yeah, it feels like a workout cry. Like, yeah. Like, I went to the, the soul gym.
1: Um, and I mean, I like hallucinogens. I don't like how nauseous they make me. Um, and they can definitely pique my anxiety a little bit, too. Like, I can just get really worried on them because things are just so fucking wild.
0: You know what I found worked last time? I tried it was I, uh, I, I made mushroom tea... And then I drank, like, a ginger kabucha, and I don't know if it was psychosomatic or if it was, like, mushroom and mushroom and ginger. But it didn't – I didn't have the same, like, like gnarly feel in my tummy. My tummy still felt irpy, but it didn't feel, like, okay. like roller y Yeah. So –
1: And, I mean, like, the visuals that I've had with good mushrooms and with LSD, like – I wish I could see that. I'll, I wish I could see that on command when I wanted to, because you do get a little kind of tired of it sometimes <laughs> towards the end of the trip. Yeah. But those visuals could, are just so fucking cool. I, I think that is a huge part of the reason I really enjoy poor painting. <laughs> can,
0: can I can I sidetrack into the only time I've had like audio visual hallucinations?
1: You've only had them once.
0: Yes, I, uh, I I I took acid at a comedy festival. Like I went to a comedy festival. Was this? And- and i camped out in the backyard and the the deal was like there was some people had room in the house and some of us brought stuff to camp in the back and i was like well i'm on acid i'm gonna go to the far corner of the yard and be away from people in case i like am giggling or talk to myself i don't want to weird other people out and as i lay down there's these two people arguing and they're getting louder and louder in their argument and like more and more aggressive and i finally go to confront them And they ignore me, but I'm like, hey, we're guests at a person's house. You're going to get the cops called on us for your fight. you got to stop this. And they don't. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm too high. I'm going to go hide in my room or in my tent. And as I go into my tent, I see a cop car pull up. And then, like, the the cops just flood in the backyard. And they, they tackle these people. And somebody looks in my tent. And it's like, well, that guy's sleeping, so we'll leave him alone. And they leave. And, like, I wait until sunrise. And I get up. And I'm like holy crap i go inside and i'm like holy crap like you guys saw the cops right and and apparently none of that had happened like, <laughs> no nobody talked there was no cops there was no there was just pat tripping balls in the corner, oh my
1: god that's, that's fucking great
0: yeah that's the, but and i also love that the only time i had uh, like audio visual hallucinations of course it was just the cops like that was that was all i got that was
1: oh my god i didn't realize you've never had visualizations that's such a bummer
0: I'll see, like, colors and stuff, but never... never.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I see, like, colors and patterns and stuff, but I've never... I will say one time I took some very strong mushrooms and I could have sworn I saw Harajuku Girls. I know I didn't, and I know that mushrooms cannot do that, but my brain said that's what's happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would that tour... That, that flips me back around to who would you tour with?
1: Who would I tour with? Yeah. Yeah,
0: comedian, life dead. So, Mark like,
1: Twain. my dr- <laughs> my dream comedy tour, you remember that... Comedians of Comedy Tour, it was like Maria Bamford, Patton Oswalt, Brian Passane, Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, yeah. I would have to be a fly on the wall for that tour. Oh, that, that would have, have been, been so fun. fucking cool. And like all of those are comedians. I definitely respect, um, especially Maria Bamford. She's kind of my idol. But, and they
0: all seem like, supportive of each other.
1: Too. Mm-hmm. They, they seem like they like each other and like working with each other. Uh, who knows how much of that was movie magic? Like, you know,
0: the bulk of that was filmed at, like, Dante's or something.
1: Was it Dante's?
0: Yeah, one of those, one of the, like, the, shit, Netflix had a special for a while that was, yeah. and it, was it had been filmed at Dante's, if I remember right.
1: Holy shit, that's really cool. And I know they went to, like, a video game arcade, because that was, like, part of it too, and, like, some mm-hmm. comic book shops in Portland, so it was fun to, like, know that they've been to places that, like, when I moved here, I was like, they were there. But I would say that would probably be my dream tour. I mean... My ideal tour is just, like, going with comedians that I like working with and, like, spending time with. There's definitely times I've had to, like, go on tour with comedians I would prefer not to have to spend time with or share a room with or sometimes even a bed with. But, you know, that Mm, happens.
0: It it hasn't happened to me. I don't get asked. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been asked to tour by one person and it was, like, their local little, like, Milwaukee and then out past Oregon City and then... Camus kind of shows like they oh
1: that's exotic
0: yeah they weren't they weren't really tours and then I didn't yeah it was bad times.
1: I haven't really toured in in Oregon. I only did in Montana there was like the the summer before I moved out here I did seven shows in seven days and they were throughout the state so I think I put on like seven hundred and eight hundred miles on my car. Um, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Some shows went great. Some shows did not go great. You know, nah,
0: that's uh, I've I did I did like little mini personal tours or whatever. Like I went through Tennessee one time and like booked a bunch of shows for myself there. But it wasn't like it wasn't like I built up a fan base in Tennessee. It was mm-hmm. like I'm in Tennessee and I to nah, no, they're never for
1: gonna me. forget you there.
0: I hope not. I, I still have some friends from there. They're pretty cool. Me- Memphis has a, a scene that's kind of similar to how Portland's can be where it's a lot of people who work with each other and support each other but there's also a lot of fringe people that like kind of come in and out and do it as much for fun and as an art as as like a job
1: that makes sense uh do you want to do more questions how do you feel kind
0: of ask a final i I was gonna i don't know do we have a final question i I think we're good on on an episode like i think i think this gives people an idea of who we are and kind of kind of a fun one cuz the, the we've got work ahead of us like like i've got stuff i'm researching i think yeah and and there's always news coming up like the the other thing i think we wanted to do was talk about our process so i guess we could kind of close out with that
1: my process has been sloppy like i've i've pr- fallen out of practice of like r- researching episodes but usually it's just like I'll see someone talking enough about something or like if I see someone really missing the point consistently talking about something I want to talk about things (laughs) and like I think especially with what you see around crypt like when we did the crypto episode that was a lot of how I was feeling and when that kid killed those people in Michigan and his parents like fled and everything I was like no we definitely need to talk about this because like I keep seeing so many fucked up incorrect storylines being perpetuated over and over again like especially when we start with like the labor shortage episode there's no labor shortage there's a shortage of jobs that people can afford to do so that's a lot of where my process comes from with news dump you you have to speak more to what recyclables is to you
0: yeah i think to to add to the news dump my part of the process is is you you either one of us come with the up with the topic usually it's kind of your idea and i'll have a soft pitch of some kind and then i'll go through and Find what the other side is saying, if I can't specifically what Fox is saying, but like also try to find some of the articles that talk about it. If somebody's got like a a hot take that we know is going to be just awful, but we know will succinctly explain kind of what other people are going to say about it. Mm -hmm. Because I I think to, to me, an important part of the news dump is giving the counterpoint not to agree with it, but to understand what it is so you can address it. With recyclables, it's been more. Um, it's been more. What do I think people get wrong in a bigger way? Or here's a thing that I think is interesting, but here's a way I don't think people have looked at it. With cost of convenience, it was like I have this mission that I need people to understand what's going on in convenience stores and how it got that way. And how we can fix it, how how it doesn't matter if the employees unionize, if the community doesn't support the workers like they, there has to be intersectional solidarity there. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Otherwise, eventually the, the people with the money win, even if it kills them, eventually they win. And then with the other ones, it's been more like there's this information I have and I can kind of see it as, as pretty obvious I guess sometimes. No, mm-hmm. that, that sounds too full of myself. It's just, <laughs> there, there, well, a lot of what it is, is I'll learn something and want to share what I learned. Like Stuart Holbrook was like, I found out about this cool dude who used to live in Oregon and like was trying to do some stuff. And so I wanted to tell people. Diocletian is this guy that, does, that has way bigger influence on history than a lot of the emperors. But we, we don't talk about him as much because he's not as interesting, like as... as augustus who healed the whole empire and all that crap so it's just this weird thing where it's like i think the root of it is wanting to not be white trash and knowing that the key to recycling myself out of trashiness is education mm-hmm. and then just sharing the shit i learned i guess i don't have a process like i'll read whatever books uh, or i'll what i'll do is i'll like I'll, I'll scan through podcasts that i know i i respect or have good information And see what they've said about it. And then I'll do kind of the same with videos. And then on YouTube. And then find some books. Like I want to do an episode about Harriet Tubman. So my first goal with that was to listen to. How other podcasts have been presenting her. And like what. What I think they miss in her story. And then I try to kind of collect. The story as it's presented through. Whatever books and movies I can find. And then I kind of regurgitate that story. But like hitting on the details I think are important to it so like with Harriet Tubman spoiler I think she's better than Batman I think I think I think DC Comics should be writing about Harriet Tubman that's
1: can we make Harriet Tubman the new Batman
0: that would be dope
1: I think recyclables for you is a good opportunity because like you were saying earlier like you don't you can't write an article if you add up all of what you write in a week on in Facebook posts You've probably got a fucking article every week. They may not be all the same thing. It may not be super disjointed. Some of it might be kind of nonsense, but you're still writing stuff. Yeah. So I think this is probably just the best way for you to share the, information because that's this is your best way of communicating.
0: Yeah, the way the way my brain works is I can collect the information and I can share it verbally, but I have a harder time sitting down to write it out. And in fact, when, when I do outlines for the episodes, it's because I've practiced what I want to tell whoever's the guest, and then I'm writing down, oh, I need to make sure I hit this point. Oh, I need to make sure I hit this point. So it's kind of, I think it's kind of backwards from how other people do it, because I think a lot of other podcasts, they, they write it out and then they realize what they want as they verbalize it. I, I write things down because I have so much I want to say.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I also requested that you do that, too, because I get too stressed out if I don't know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At first, I thought I should surprise you with it. But it's like at the by the end, none of these stories are surprising to me by the time I know them. I don't know.
1: Among my type A friends, I am the least type A person. But I do have those tendencies where I like to have things ordered and controlled because like I am sympathetic to the type A person and I know what they'll need to be able to enjoy our content. That's why I crack the organization whip on that situation.
0: Well, I think you I I also want to clarify something because I think. Listening back, there's the illusion that I'm—I think I'm smarter than you when I don't. Like I want to—I want to. If anyone has that myth, this we can end on this, which is like I want people to know that Rochelle is very smart and does a lot of work. It's just because of the fact that like we're in microphones and I edit it. It sometimes can feel like it's—it's the all Pat show. But like I really wouldn't be able to sit down with a story. If you weren't there to sit down and tell the story too. If you didn't already have enough depth and knowledge to call me on the bullshit when I have bullshit and to extrapolate further when I don't have enough information.
1: Yeah, I would say the two degrees that I wasted hundreds, a hundred thousand dollars on have given me at least the ability to sound smart. You know, it could all be a lie.
0: It could be. But I think I genuinely think you're smart. And I think that's part of why I have yeah that's why i've enjoyed working with you and why like these wouldn't exist this program wouldn't be ongoing if it wasn't for you as you you're i I appreciate everything you do as well because you are the one that's like hey let's follow a schedule let's make sure we're actually doing this because otherwise i would just be getting high in my room talking to the wall
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i appreciate that and i mean we don't have to make this episode any gayer now, but I guess that's what we've just been doing, saying all this nice shit about each other.
0: No, this is I'm no, this is our pansexual episode. Can't be gay.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we- I I wouldn't even like I don't want to ascribe to any words, but like I've been attracted to any and all genders. So I I could use that word. I just don't want to deal with people having the conversation around that word, so I'm just like I'm queer.
0: I've I don't identify as queer specifically because like I'm not seeking out masculine types and I think I give off masculine energy so I I guess masculine looking for femme doesn't equate to queer to me I, I don't know sorry I feel like no
1: I'm- no I, I think I think for you it's hard for you to see queerness that doesn't include you wanting to bone a dude or be boned by a dude. I think that I think it's fair to feel that way, but I if I were listening to the queer people who I talked to when I didn't feel like I identified in the queer community, they would say like, "Now nah, you're pretty gay. No, no, no I'm not, I'm not <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: But my thing has always been I'm not uh, I, I don't think I should wave the gay flag, but I will definitely hold it. You know what I mean? I will definitely march <laughs> behind it, but I don't think it's mine to wave.
1: Yeah. No, and I mean, none of this is to say you should identify as queer, but I, I would say that a lot of people in the queer community would probably also say you have space in the community if and when you want it. There. The door's open. You got. We know you're a cat, but the door's open.
0: I'm leaning against the door frame.
1: Like, <laughs> That's why, I, le- I mean, I still kind of feel this way. I feel very queer-adjacent.
0: That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Cause it's like odds are, I, well, what I feel like is percentage wise, odds are 80, 60 to 80% of the time I'm going to aim towards a cishet woman, but that's not like the only thing I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So, but it's like, I'm not actively, but I'm also, the other thing is like, as a straight dude, I also know I'm, I'm bringing a certain amount of baggage into any conversation. There's a certain amount of like, yeah, I know I'm kind of the problem so but i'm not not enough of the problem to identify as not the problem so
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's also just being a white person (laughs) uh well i mean i think the last question actually is what are you gonna do with the rest of your day today
0: um i don't know i might fold laundry probably gonna i think i think i'll roll a blunt i'll roll a blunt why not
1: oh that sounds beautiful yeah What am I going to do? I'm probably going to rearrange The Office a little more. Uh, I want to finish the rest of the Matrix movies because, like, I watched the first three when I was younger. Um, I do want to rewatch them. I've already watched the first two, but I want to rewatch them now with knowing a lot more about the trans, uh, like, the fact that it is a trans narrative. I want to watch it more with that in mind. So we've got the third and the fourth to go. And, like... I really enjoyed the second one, but boy, those like receding hairline white dreaded dudes were the fucking worst.
0: Yeah. It's, the fucking
1: uh, worst.
0: It's it's very clear to me that they wanted, that she wanted to make Matrix, the Matrix, and that like all the leftover ideas got input into whatever the next two are.
1: Well, let's end the podcast. Okay. Uh, you guys have been great. We hope that this was worth your time. If you have more questions for us, Feel free to bug us, e- either of us on Facebook or your or Patrick's Patreon because Pat's yes. got the Patreon. Uh,
0: Patreon.com forward slash recyclables. Right now membership starts at $3. I'm thinking of doing a thing where membership can be a dollar. The only problem is they, they end up charging you more than they give. Like, it, I, it ends up being a weird scale where if I charge you a dollar, I only get like 50 cents. Whereas if I charge you three, I get two. So Interesting. Know, maybe, maybe I'll flip it around and maybe, maybe I'll make a dollar be the low bid because that's what I would want. But
1: no, I think there's definitely a good conversation to be had about price structuring. I'm planning on uh, having my own Patreon probably to help support News Dump uh, and also my specific podcast, Talking Shit Spilling P. Um, actually, we talked a lot about Dahlia Delu Bell today and I interviewed her for Talking Shit Spilling P. And we were professionals at having very hot, uncomfortable takes And I think all y'all might have an interest in that. Um, And I mean, if you want to look at my art, it's at Poor on Instagram. I've been working a lot more with embellishing my pieces, which has been really exciting. Yeah, but we love you all.
0: Yeah, I love you. Thank you. I I love, I love. The idea? Yeah, I love the idea of loving you all. I definitely love that. Eh. I don't know if I can extend it to all. Well, I mean, you know who you are and you know what you did and you know why I feel the way I do. So, gaslighting the (laughs) listeners. That's what we're going out on.
1: All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.
0: Thank you for picking up Recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed. But the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash Recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.